when a Christian gets consumed with Christ and they consider what their gifts are, they get to a point where they absolutely know what they are to do and how they should be doing it. It becomes a matter of calling. On today's Keeping It Real, I have a returning guest, Tom Lennart, who was recently in the country of Madagascar carrying out prison ministry. Madagascar is a poor country with lots of prisoners. In fact, the prisons are severely overcrowded, and they are overcrowded with a lot of people that don't necessarily deserve to be in prison. Why was Tom there? What or who should I say compelled him to go there? What good happened as a result of he and his team of Christ followers being there? All questions that will get answered on this edition of Keeping It Real. If you're interested in listening to a former episode with Tom, I encourage you to listen to episode number 28 of this podcast. But now we press on to this episode called Divine Movement in Madagascar. Welcome to the Keeping It Real podcast. Are we tired of fake stuff? Shouldn't we turn down a stale brand of living? It's time to open our hearts to Christ. It's time to keep it real. Here's your host, Ollie Gee. All right. Welcome to another episode of the Keeping It Real podcast. I'm your host, Ollie G, and I've got uh, returning guest on with me here today uh, on the podcast. He was recently in a country known as Madagascar. And the question might be is, what in the world was he doing there? That's a long ways from home here in the United States. Uh, Tom Lenart. Uh, Tom, thanks for being on Keeping It Real again today. Uh, you make your home base uh, just outside of Seattle, Seattle, Washington. Uh, what prompted you to, to go there? Uh, thank, thanks, Ali. First of all, thanks for having me. And you know, I just pray and uh, that 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 God blesses you with this podcast and uh, you specifically, personally, and uh, and your daughter. So praying for you every day, Ali. And uh, I just really appreciate you you having me on the podcast today. And uh, reason we went to I went to Madagascar is um, that uh, I do uh, prison ministry, prisoners for Christ. And um, this was an opportunity uh, to go and um, explore seven different prisons in a country that is exactly opposite uh, from Seattle uh, uh, in, in, on Earth. And in other words, if I drilled a hole uh, through the Earth from Seattle, I'd end up in Madagascar. And so uh, <laughs> completely the other side of the world. Yeah, well, and, that's what uh, I was going to that's what I was actually going to uh, ask you next, because to kind of scale back a bit. Um just if you could educate the folks uh, who are maybe not that strong in geography. Uh, in fact, I even had to look up a little bit where Madagascar was. I had an idea where it was, but I didn't even know fully where it was located and how it's kind of separated from the continent of Africa uh, off the coast there. Where can you inform the listening audience? Where is Madagascar located? Yeah, exactly right. It's off the uh, southeast portion of uh, of Africa, right around the area of the northern part of uh, South Africa, and uh, a unique island country. It's the fourth largest island country in the world. It was colonized originally by Indonesia. Um, it's primarily a Christian country, mm-hmm. um, has uh, almost... 90% of its fauna and flora, meaning the plants and the animals, are unique to that country. Uh, so it's a very unique uh, island country. Okay. Well, I appreciate your answer. And you used the word unique there a few times. I actually have that here in the next question that I have for you. You mentioned right from the jump here that you uh, had a chance to minister in seven different prisons. 
Yes. Um, and in a in a message that I got from you when uh, you first told me that you went there and you shared with me all kinds of pictures and, and definitely looked invigorating and energizing uh, with what you were doing there. But uh, you ministered to, I guess, 5,000 inmates in these seven prisons. Yeah. Yeah. That's so a whole we, lot of people. A whole lot of people. We were we were actually in front of. um probably 3,500. There were, uh, of the seven prisons, there were about 1,500 that were uh, busy, uh, unable to attend the actual uh, church ministry that we did. But they will be, they will hear the word. Uh, they will be ministered to through, each prison has a church uh, outside the prison that supports the prison and has a prison ministry. So of the seven prisons, each one of them has a church that helps to support that prison. Okay, good. And that's uh, encouraging to hear that at least there's a local body of believers that seemingly does uh, the continual work or the ministry for those prisoners. So in other words, you guys just don't pop on over there and it's like a one and done kind of thing. There is a continuing work day to day or week to week uh, ministry that's taking place there, it sounds like. So that's definitely encouraging. Jesus, he traveled all, you know, in lots of various different places when he was on earth. And we I'd like to read a quick passage of scripture or a statement in scripture at any rate. Uh, and this is found in John chapter four, right prior to him meeting the Samaritan woman. And in John chapter four, verse four, the Bible says, but he needed to go through Samaria. Now, that statement astounds me because he doesn't know this woman yet that he's going to encounter. The woman certainly doesn't know him. And um, Samaritans and Jews had no dealings with each other. So if anybody would have even seen these two in public talking with one another, it would have been like really outlandish to anybody who would have witnessed it. In fact, it was outlandish to the woman. The woman was really taken aback that Jesus, being a Jew, would even give her the time of day, much less talk to her at this well in John chapter 4. But again, I'll read that statement again, but he needed to go through Samaria. What prompted you to go to Madagascar? How was it conveyed to you that you had to go? Like, there was no dropping it, there was no letting it go. You weren't going to be at peace until you went to this place to minister to these prisoners. Well, I, I think it's along the same lines as uh, the the scripture that you write uh, that you read there, Oliver. It, it, you know, it, this is a marginalized people, and um, they they are so marginalized. Uh, these prisoners of Madagascar that. You know, in a prison uh, that's built for 850 uh, prisoners, there's 3,500 prisoners. They live. Oh, wow. So it's serious overcrowding. Seriously overcrowded. They live with complete despair. There is a tremendous hopelessness among the prisoners. They can be arrested and put in prison and not be before the judge uh, for two or three years. And wow. even then, without bribing, um, they they may still just remain in prison without a conviction. There are there's so much overcrowding. So what are they in jail for? If they're not convicted of anything, what are they there for? Well, they've been arrested for something, and they're in jail waiting to go before the judge. Some have oh, been wow. convicted. I gotcha. So this is like a holding pattern for two or three years before. Can 
It's not like they're showing up in the court of in the court of law, like here in the states, within a couple of days or even a few hours, depending upon the offense or where you know who's involved. It's amazing they're waiting that long just to uh, be able to get a fair shake at things, huh? That's correct. Wow, that's amazing. So you know you're just talking about how there are marginalized people, um, and we had you on before and we discussed how jail is not the end. Okay. And how, you know, you describe these prisoners as um, being really depressed, despondent, what have you, they feel like they're down and out or what have you. What had, what, again, how was it, if you can elaborate a little bit further, a little bit more, what was burning in your veins that you just had to go to Madagascar and minister to these prisoners? Yeah, yeah, and 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 it's the same thing because you know, uh, you know, the, the I think the large question why even do a prison ministry and in Madagascar was just an opportunity to to do that, and you know we have lots in scripture. You mentioned one, you know, it is biblical, and and, and it has to do with the great the great and final commandment. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. That that's in Matthew. Uh, and uh, we see lots of scripture that that commands us. You know, in Hebrews, it says, remember those in prisons, fellow prisoners, as if you were their fellow prisoners. And, and in Luke, we have passages, the spirit of the Lord is on me. He has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners, recover sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And on and on. There's plenty of um, plenty of scripture that tells us we need to do this, Oliver. And um, I have to tell you, I was able to bring, um, well, our team of six, we were able to bring uh, six bags, 50 pounds a piece of medical supplies. While in country, we bought $1,100 worth of medicines for the prisoners. And that goes a long way in Madagascar. The, the RE, there's uh, $1 is equal to 4,400 RE. And so you can imagine that you're able to get many, many, much more medicine there per prison uh, with the dollar than to, to buy it and bring it. Uh, and uh, we were able to bring um, seven one-gallon uh, bag full of um, reading glasses to each prison. So we, not only were we able to bless them with the word, uh, the gospel, the light of Jesus, and that was the main reason we were there. We blessed them with uh, humanitarian aid, with medical aid to help these prisoners um, physically and spiritually. Okay, well, that's a good word. And uh, hopefully through all of that, at least uh, some of the prisoners will have gotten a good view of Jesus Christ, that they were able to uh, really experience his love, be able to um, really behold him in such a, a great way through those displays and acts of love. And mm -hmm. I'm sure that was the hope for you guys going there, not only ministering the gospel, but supplying that humanitarian aid. I'm sure it just lights a person up uh, mm -hmm. like those prisoners over there that have so little and they're dealing with overcrowding. And to my understanding, it's an immensely poor country. Yes. Uh, they don't have very much going on. And so uh, the fact that um, you were able to do that is great. I think it's also just really an issue of calling too, is it not, Tom, where uh, you've been in prison ministry for some time now, and this has been such a staple of your life. Um, and, and being that it's been such a staple, uh, not just because 
you can't figure out what else better to do with your life. But I think that there really is a calling aspect yeah. or a calling measure to take into consideration here. It's like Jesus, again, going to meet the Samaritan woman. It wasn't like he was bored that day or <laughs> he didn't know what else better to do or he got tired of listening to the disciples bicker with one another. And he thought, oh, I'll just go ahead and take off for Samaria. You got to understand or people have to understand what was involved with this decision. You know, this wasn't just hopping to the playground and decide to play, shoot some hoops with the disciples or something like that. I mean, he's going to Samaria, talking to a woman, and Jews and Samaritans have no dealings with one another. Mm -hmm. I mean, people are very sensitive, um, yes. as well as they should be, to racial tendencies and racist tendencies that are going on in our culture right now. Um, and to think, you know, how one person of one ethnicity uh, would talk to another person of another ethnicity, especially in a certain location at a certain time, would probably spark fireworks uh, yeah. for the surrounding community or people that would observe that or be able to witness that. And that's no different than Jesus talking to the Samaritan woman at that time. It was very uh, a very volatile situation, to say the least. Yes. So the fact that um, you know, Jesus was called to go to Samaria, much like you and I are called to specific or certain uh, ways of ministry, uh, speaks to, again, divine movement. And the mm -hmm. title uh, kind of entitled this episode of the podcast being Divine Movement in Madagascar. Uh, mm -hmm. It's not like you and your fellow comrades that were, decided to go to Madagascar. Again, it's not like you were looking to just take a field trip. You know, yeah. schools are trying to figure out where where to take a field trip to. You know, it's nothing like that. Um, yes. It's not like, oh, well, we're just looking to get entertained. Let's buy tickets for the for the baseball game or something like that. You guys definitely had um, a burden in your hearts. Again, I noticed it from the pictures as well that you sent me. There was an evident uh, purpose that was clearly evident and a burden that was obvious to the beholder or to uh, the person that's able to view those photographs. So getting more now to the nuts and bolts of your time there at Madagascar, how was Christ exalted through the ministry to the people? And how was the reality of Christ unveiled versus just looking to make Madagascar a better place? Well, that's an interesting uh, question, uh, Oliver, a very good and interesting question. As I had prayed that God would probably show himself to me um, when we were in Madagascar. And there were uh, multiple occasions uh, when we were in the prison, uh, Oliver, when I just looked at my team and I saw them serving each other and I saw them serving the, the inmates. And we were, it was just pure love going on. And it was selfless, pure love that was, that was present there. And to me, Oliver, that's the kingdom. That was a glimpse of what the kingdom's like. Amen. Yeah. So there was a sense of community going on there. Um, yeah. Yeah. And he was you thrown. And people, he, you and the people that you're going with and then the people that you're ministering to. There yes. was at least an instance of a day or a few days or however long you were there. There, was the, there were these instances of community faith in Christ that was yeah. being exercised. That sounds yes. great. Yeah. And, and, you know, uh, like you say, uh, you know, the, the, the whole reason that we, we, we go there is because it changes lives and there, you know, in the Bible, I mean, we can rely on, on his promises. And we even look at Jonah and, and Nineveh 
and how Jonah was totally opposed to going to, to Nineveh. He went to Tarshish, in, in, in fact, uh, to, to avoid it. But God took him to Nineveh. And he said six words to the Ninevites. But then in Jonah 3.10, it says, Then God says uh, their works that they had uh, turned from their evil ways. And God relented from the disaster he would bring upon them. And he did not do it. And all of Nineveh was saved. This is our hope. This is our desire and our dream. We can trust in his promise that if we go there and speak his name and in his name, the power of, of Jesus Christ can change lives in prison. And it certainly changes the lives of those uh, of us that went. Uh, that's for sure. Yeah, that was going to be another uh, question here before we were going to uh, wrap this up here today was as I was going to well, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but I certainly am curious to hear how you were blessed and the people that went there were blessed as a result of experiencing the love of Christ uh, within that community there in Madagascar. Can you provide a leading or a specific example of someone being impacted by Christ and the message of the gospel of Christ that you guys shared there in Madagascar? Yeah, I mean, Oliver, there's there, there's num numerous examples of that. And, I'm sure yeah, there are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and, it's it's uh, only it's a it's not a five hour long show, but yeah, yeah if you can not, maybe not kind of nip it in the bud, that'd be great. Yeah, yeah, and he, let me just say, there's there's a church within the prison, so we pray for the church leaders before we leave that that they they've seen all the hands that have gone up, and and now they have lots of discipling to do within the prison. Uh, so we pray for that, but. Uh, of the last two trips, one to Kenya and one to Madagascar, the host national pastor had been in prison himself. He, the fact is, lives have been changed, and they came to Christ in prison. They are now prison ministers, and they host the whole country for prisoners for Christ. You know, and and another example in America would be Chuck Colson, who was put in prison. He was Nixon's hatchet man. And, and you know that story where he came to Christ in prison. Yeah, yeah. All sounds very intriguing. Uh, it almost kind of makes me wish I was there. But uh, obviously, uh, I was still back here, back here in the States. Um, how many of you went to Madagascar? I mean, I know you mentioned that earlier, but also not only how many of you went, but what does it do to you to know that God moments were had while you were there? It's extremely encouraging to know that God moments were had. There were six of us on the team, uh, but probably if you look at, we were on the tip of the iceberg. There must have been a, a team of 20 to 30 in the background helping to make sure this this worked. And, and all of my donors, uh, maybe 20 donors just specifically from me. Uh, so the team is huge, but only six went and traveled uh, and uh yeah, you know, what it does, it just, it's so encouraging, Oliver, so encouraging to me to see the changes that are occurring. And it just motivates me to want to do more and more, um, both here at home as well as internationally. Mm -hmm. So what happens, if anything, for these people in pursuing Christ after you left? Now, I know you mentioned how each of the prisons has a local church or a local body of believers there to continue on the ministry. I don't know if it's daily or weekly or what it is, but is there anything else that happens for these people 
or if it's nothing else and it's mostly just that local assembly of people that ministers to those prisoners can you share a little bit about exactly what that picture looks like or what that entails absolutely you know the the main reason we go is not to go into the prisons believe it or not the main reason we go to these countries is to train those uh minister uh, ministries that are outside the prison that are uh, ministering to the prison so we we do uh, a day and a half of training for these uh they they all come together and we train them we train them how to grow a prison ministry how to raise funds how how to get a board uh, a, a, an advisory council and, and just give them all the the tools that are necessary so that while over it's self-sustaining so that when they don't they don't depend on us coming that they can do it on their own and the minister the host minister his name is pastor theodoric he actually has a vision he's in there's 82 prisons in, in madagascar he's currently in 30 he knows every single uh ministry of those 30 right now his his goal is to go 10 more prisons each year for the next five years and be in all 82 prisons wow that's a pretty lofty goal and uh that's a lot of travel. That's a lot of people. That's a lot yes. of communicating and conversating. That's a lot of listening to. Yes. Um, that's a that's a lot to uh, take on. Um, certainly, it would be great for uh, folks to be backing him in prayer uh, in, uh, for him a, a along all kinds of wavelengths. Especially, yes. I would think strength. I mean, that's just yes. a pretty tall order. It is. Um, well, it's great. Uh, been talking to you, Tom, uh, yes. having you on the Keeping It Real podcast Thanks, again today. Uh, again, Jesus had to go through Samaria. And we see as that story unfolds and how he leads the woman to a saving knowledge of Christ and how the woman enters into the kingdom of God. But not only does that, but she tells everybody in her town what had transpired at the well. In other words, this wasn't just a privatized reality for her. This wasn't just for her personally. She unleashed this. She uncorked this for uh, everybody that she knew. And so I appreciate you coming on Keeping It Real today and sharing with the listening audience what you experienced and what you came to know, grew to know in your time at Madagascar. Um are there any other trips on the horizon that you know of, or is this, uh, are you taking a break from traveling internationally and you're going to focus more locally or what's in the cards for you here in the days ahead as the year 2023 starts winding down? Yeah, we, so, so for the rest of this year, no, but for next year, I'm looking at sub-Sahara Africa, looking to go to Chad, at least to Chad uh, maybe in Sierra Leone, and and then I'm uh, focusing in South uh, South America. Uh, maybe a trip to Colombia. I have a ministry uh, 501c that I've developed for uh, in Colombia, and so uh, those three trips are uh, on the in the docket for uh, next year. And Oliver, I just I wanted to um, mention that uh, in that um, scripture that you're talking about, the woman uh, in Samaria. You know, she brought all the townspeople, as you said, but then she, the townspeople invited Jesus to stay with them for two to three days. All the disciples learned that his ministry wasn't just for the Jews. He opened it up to the whole world. And that's, that's very encouraging for me because I, I don't know a man's heart. All I know is that I can give 
the gospel and allow for the power of the Lord Jesus Christ to fill that man's heart and and bring him uh, to saving grace. Well, that's a great word, Tom. And again, thanks a lot for coming on, keeping it real again today. Uh, we'll definitely look to have you on again after one of your trips, whether if it be to Columbia or to Chad, or if not even before that. And okay. uh, maybe hear more of what uh, the Lord's doing in your heart and how he's using you uh, to be a blessing to people. Thanks a lot, Tom.